Hello, hello, and welcome back to Yet Worth, a podcast. I'm here with Emma Schmitz, and today we are going to be talking a little bit more about long-term care. I hope you are not completely over the subject because it keeps coming up time and time again, especially as baby boomers are climbing that age threshold to peak claims age, which is around 80, 82. And I think the first boomers start entering that sphere in just a couple of years, if not already. Here's the thing, you know, we, we kind of want to bring you content that's going to be impactful. Um, and in deciding what's impactful, I'm usually pulling from recent conversations and things that we're hearing in the office place, right? So this is one that we see time and time again. Um, and it's something that I haven't really seen anybody talking about. So I wanted to just kind of bring it to light, bring it to the surface here and just help people talk about long-term care in the manner that's most effective. You know, you can talk about it however you want. I'm not saying you should or should not do things the way you like to. I'm just saying you're going to be a lot more effective in communicating the need if you break it down like this. So here's the situation. Right now, we're getting probably, I mean, with the Washington thing going off, we're getting probably a big group a week. Um, coming through, uh, where somebody's sending us a census of like 100 employees or more uh, and saying, we need to get this LTC situation figured out in Washington. And they don't really know what that means. And they're coming to us for guidance. So props to them. They did the first step correctly. But now I kind of have to like re-engineer their mindset around what it means to do long-term care for 100 people because it's not, it's not a benefit commodity at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the question is why, right? Why do people believe that uh, LTC is just kind of like one of these enrollment type benefits, cafeteria plan style, you know, you're just putting it out there, people sign up for what they want, and then boom, done. And the reason is, it did used to be like that. There was true group LTC at one point. Um, you can imagine now why it's gone it was not a good deal for the carriers. Just let me just come at you with some numbers here. So the statistics on LTC have really kind of come to light here just within a very recent timeline, within my 12 year career, it's sort of come to the surface of what long-term care really is, how you can insure it and everything like that. I came right at the beginning of this movement where long-term care carriers were like, holy crap, we've had this wrong. Um, And so, you know, I've been kind of, you know, making this niche in the aftermath of all that beyond the golden years. I miss the golden years, but there's still a genuine need for people. But I want to get back to this point of of how we are looking at long-term care these days, because even the carriers had it wrong, right? So again, back when there was true group LTC, um, you know, long-term care was brand new. It started and it really hit the mass market in, in the early 80s, right? So that's what, 40 years, not even uh, ago. And it's for an insurance policy that's designed to cover people 20 to 30 years down the line. Right. So we only have about 10 to 20 years of reliable data to use for LTC pricing and accuracy. So when there was a huge revision on current assumptions both from a claim perspective, but also an interest rate perspective, 
we saw massive amounts of rate increases across the board. Virtually every carrier was affected by rate increases. Now, some did have the foresight and said, wow, this stuff really is needs to be priced higher. And they sold very little for a very long time uh, because there were other carriers who were like, oh, no, we can, we can do this. We got underwriting. And so that's my point here is that underwriting was really the saving grace for the long-term care market because they were able to weed out you know, at least a portion of the interested parties due to adverse health conditions on the books that would have resulted in almost nearly a guaranteed claim in many instances. Um, but we didn't have that data ahead of time. In fact, we didn't even know how often people were going to use this when we started selling it. That's the craziest part to me is this wasn't really tracked that well. And it's not that it was the actuary's fault in this regard. There are other reasons the actuaries can be set to blame on this, but the issue was we just didn't have like an infrastructure for aging communities when this stuff mm -hmm. started in the 80s. It was like you receive care at home or you go to a nursing facility. There was no assisted mm -hmm. living residential care, um, you know, round the clock home care. Like that stuff wasn't really part of the fabric. And so it got overlooked, plain and simple. They didn't say, oh, well, there's an opportunity here for people to get into the LTC space and serve in a different capacity that's not, you know, your family taking care of you at home. And it's not a nursing home where you go to die on Medicaid. Um, it's, there's a lot of in-between. 70% of people who make it to age 65 require LTC services. I really wanted to set the stage for that stat because we didn't know that 15 years ago that wasn't a stat that people knew that actuaries knew. So that's a big deal. Yeah. Because people just think they're going to, you know, clean, clean the house and wash the dishes and until they just up and die. Right. And that's the whole point with long-term care is, you know, <laughs> so we all hope. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up because that would be beautiful if everybody's lifespan matched their health span. And I stole this from the Buck Institute, which is a huge mm -hmm. aging and research center in, in our native Marin County. Um, beautiful building too. You got to go visit and send them a donation, whatever you need to do to get there. Um, it was, it, it's a really cool experience. And they had this incredible timeline, which just simplified everything for me. You look at the average lifespan of Americans, it's about age 82. And then you look at the average health span of Americans and it's age 66. Mm -hmm. And that Delta of 14 years, what is that? 16 years, excuse me, uh, is really long-term care. That's what we're trying to do is to help people get to the end of their natural lifespan in a comfortable, effective, modern way. Um, yeah. And, and uh, that's really the name of the game. And it's like, you know, you can't always rely on, I hope the reason that you had children is not to take care of you when you're older, <laughs> because you can't always rely on that. And there are skilled professional workers who do it for a living. We need a lot more, but yes, we do. Um, that's why we're talking about long-term care insurance. Right. Okay. Back to the numbers though. So historically there was group LTC, true group LTC. And from a benefits broker standpoint, that means no underwriting, really kind of just a generic benefit that everybody signs up for. 
Um, or maybe you have a, an option or two, kind of like what you see in the health insurance marketplace. It was basically designed around the health insurance marketplace. It was designed to be health insurance for people in old age. That was kind of the idea. I mean, that somebody will call me out on that. But the idea is that, you know, it, it's, you know, it wasn't going to pay the doctor's bills, but it was going to pay for all the care and services that go along with that, uh, with those needs, uh, if your health span doesn't match your lifespan. So, um, what ended up happening over the years is, and this is what I, I love to kind of think about insurance a little bit differently uh, on a couple different points, a couple different levels. Um, but one of the levels I love to think about insurance as is a huge longitudinal study about the effects of aging and comorbidities. If you think about it, you're collecting all this data on somebody, you know, typically when they're at, you know, one of their healthiest points in their life in their, you know, 50s, you know, maybe some things have cropped up that they've battled and hopefully overcome over the years. Nonetheless, you know, your mid to late 50s, maybe early 60s, hopefully in, in decent, if not excellent health. Um, and then you get to see what those, those few comorbidities that show up on the application, the health issues, the medical uh, questions that with a yes answer, and how those lead to the claim process. So they're, they're looking at that data saying, okay, people with sleep apnea and diabetes, gout, uh, oh gosh, what's another huge one? Uh, all, basically any sort of spine condition or bone density issue, osteoporosis, um, all of those things, scoliosis lead to a significantly higher rate of claim. And so therefore you're gonna see a lot of underwriting techniques, namely declinations, um, for people who are, who have those symptoms, who have those issues, who have those conditions, and, um, you know, they're just not going to be able to have access to the coverage. And that's the carrier trying to limit their exposure. Makes sense. And the benefit to that is that we now have a better understanding of the underwriting process with long-term care insurance and what the carriers are more likely to accept or not. Right. And so we can much more easily pre-qualify and it's just much more dialed in now. And so we understand it a lot more now. That's the key. And I, I'm glad you said it like that dialed in because I, I feel like a lot of the times people are like, oh, it's getting so tight. This underwriting is getting so tight in the long-term care sphere. It's not getting tighter and tighter. Although you could say it is in certain categories, it's actually it, it, it's really getting dialed in. So yes, with scoliosis, osteoporosis, arthritis, that is getting significantly tighter because they know that those are going to lead, they have the data to show that it leads to more claims. Whereas with cancer and things were, that used to be just like a, you know, a write-off completely, nope, not touching it. Now it's like, if you haven't had, if you've been cancer-free for five years, really uh, in as long as it hasn't like been recurring over the years before that, you're in pretty good shape for a long-term care app. It's like, it's pretty rare to see a situation where somebody has been cancer-free for five plus years and gets a decline, unless there's some other things going on. So that's, you know, we just got to kind of look at it from both sides of the equation, I think is, is a little bit more fair um, to the carriers. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, here to rally the troops around, you know, the carriers, they're doing the right thing all the time. It, that's not what it is, trust me. Um, but I think it is, 
if you think about it as a longitudinal study, you kind of see why they're doing what they're doing. They're not trying to single people out. It's, it's really more about the limiting of the exposure. And that's obvious to people in the business, but it's not obvious to everyone. So I like to repeat it. Um, but that's the data the actuaries are using. And again, worth repeating, LTC has only been around for 40 years. This is new. And again, it's supposed to cover people 20 to 30 years down the line. So we only have that 10 years of reliable data to use for LTC pricing and accuracy. So when that this huge revision on current assumptions that occurred about 10 years ago, um, both from the claim perspective, but also an interest rate perspective, right? Because, you know, this was priced in the 80s, 18% interest rates, you know, yeah. easy to measure up on a 9% interest rate in that environment. Well, guess what? We've been zero to 2% for the last 12 years um, and go ongoing. Um, so anyway, lots of different changes that that affects. The reserves can't actually increase. You've also are selling policies that have guaranteed 5% compound interest. That's a little bit of a dissonance that resulted in a lot of rate increases, massive amounts of rate increases, again, across the board, uh, virtually every carrier. So all this to say, true group LTC did not work. It was a colossal failure. So now when these benefits brokers see a group opportunity for LTC, they think, oh, true group, let's do this. Um, let's sign them up. I can't believe I'm not having this discussion more. This is a great opportunity. You know, this should be super easy. Here's the problem. It's individual. It's individual underwriting. It's individual pricing. It's individual customized coverage. It's individual applications. And that means it's an individual discussion and an individual decision. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there are spousal discounts. So most people will ah. apply as married couples and you get a discount for that most of the time. And so, absolutely. Um, but as you said, the underwriting is individual and individual application. So um, you're really just getting the discount there as a couple. But yeah. Well, you are seeing joint policies as a trend now too. Right. So you've got okay. LTC where it's actually one policy with two people under there, but I mean, it, right. that's just more to your point saying like, this is actually, this is really a couple's decision. Most of the time, mm -hmm. obviously you have individual applicants who are either widowed, widowers, um, and, or, you know, just single people who made it to retirement and now want to plan for their financial future, their protect their yet worth, uh, and, uh, go the distance with their finances really. And, you know, this kind of stems from the solution, which is to just take it slow, right? Give people the time of day. And that's not everyone's model, right? Some people are into elephant hunting, big, huge group health cases where everyone gets the same benefit and it's the same app process and there's no underwriting and that, that pays a lot of money, right? Hundreds of thousands of dollars in many cases. So, you know, when a benefits broker sees the potential, when they want to quote a hundred person group for long-term care, they're looking at that whole mouthwatering herd, but this really isn't an elephant hunt, <laughs> or maybe it is an elephant hunt because guess what? Each elephant takes time to bring down. Sorry, I probably should have issued a trigger warning on here for our PETA affiliated friends, but um, not to get too graphic, but you know, it's a painstaking process to bring down 
an elephant, right? So that uh, you can kind of liken that to the long-term care process. Usually it, it is one or two discussions with people, quite frankly, we've gotten it, you know, kind of condensed down with our system where it's like one introductory conversation just to meet the client where they're at, kind of explain what long-term care is, answer questions, um, see how it fits in their financial picture. And then the second discussion, the second meeting is going to usually be um, the quote, the presentation of a few different plan options, talk about the pros and cons of each, um, really dial in on their plan, and then send them a link to the e-app. That's really the process for us. And just to reiterate, that process and that model is about quality over quantity. And, Bingo. you know, it's, we are a really small brokerage. We are a really small agency. And so quality over quantity is our motto. And we, yep. you know, when it comes to who we like to work with, when it comes to um, it, pretty much everything, uh, the types of products that we like to um, present to people, quality over quantity. And so that's just how our business is as a small business. And that's kind of how this um, industry is working right now. That's a good point. I, I, I love the way you said that too, because the, the quality, I feel like there's a few dynamics that kind of get presented in this quality versus co quantity conversation. And the first is, again, it comes back to giving people the time of day, right? You might think it's convenient to just send over the quotes and let them review on their own time, but oh my God, there's no <laughs> way to mm -hmm. engage in the long-term care discussion by giving somebody the quotes ahead of time. Because what do they do every time? Eyes go straight to the premium without even looking at the benefits. I mean, they might mm -hmm. read the, the, their name on the header just to make sure it's the right quote, but that's pretty much it. Uh, and guess what? Your conversation's over. Um, I mean, it, it does require a little bit of, a lot of bit of education. Um, and that's why we, we are always putting out content on how to have this conversation. And so we've put together the long-term care conversation kit. It's kind of a guide that helps you do this process of identifying a candidate, uh, getting the, all the right information from them, um, assessing the need, why long-term care insurance might be a good fit for them, and then how to present that quote to them, which is really the, the big piece of this. Yes, yes. And it's really seven steps too. And I think this is probably a good place to call it because you just, uh, I think, did a great segue into what we'll do for our next segment, which is the LTC conversation kit. And just that oh. discussion, which we provide for free. I mean, this is like mm -hmm. a, a very open secret, how to effectively have the long-term care conversation. We want to announce it from the rooftops. I'll give it to any competitor. If you're listening to this secretly, show your face. It's okay. I'll get you what you need. Um, but this is the way to do it. Um, it's tried and true process, two meetings and an e-app. I mean, that's really the way I do it. And it's not like a cookie cutter thing, right? Because you're diving into each one. Uh, ahead of time, you know, you're getting prepared and all that. So, you know, it's not, doesn't take absolutely no work to do this stuff, but once you have the process in place, oh my God, the systems just take over and it's so much easier. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'd encourage any, anybody to take a look, but we, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth next time. So that's good. Right. Thank you, Em. Appreciate you yeah. facilitating yet again. Talk to you next time. All right. See ya.